and they had just recently watched Rudy and they were saying that they didn't really like it, that Rudy had a dumb dream <laughs> and that he, he made, uh, he had the wrong goal. He had the wrong dream that he, if he would have chosen something better, um, then Rudy's life would have been better that Rudy wasted his time. And when I heard it, I was, just, I was like, what? Like, did you, did you even watch this movie? What are you even saying? You are listening to The Alex Spicer Show, where we like to focus on God, family, freedom, and religion, and discuss the true principles that ensure our happiness and our success in light of current and historical events. It's so good to be back. You know, I've been taking a bit of time away from social media lately. What I mean by that is I have really not been getting on at all, except to post uh, to my own pages and and maybe interact with a few others. But really, I've been staying away from it. Um, And truthfully, (laughs) my life has been a lot more uh, peaceful. My mind has, I should say. I I feel a lot better inside because I'm not constantly being stirred up into a frenzy or frustration over all of the um, political storms going on. Now, it's important to stay abreast of what is taking place, but I just have to say it's been a nice little uh, vacay away from it. Um, but I do I do listen to a couple of things to keep me on uh, up to par, um, and that's that's good enough for me for now. However, I, I did want to talk about a couple of things today, things that have been on my mind. Um, first of all, I've been studying. I, I, this past Sunday, I felt impressed to go back and, and look at Judges chapters 6 and 7. In Judges chapters 6 and 7 is the story of Gideon. Now, if you aren't as familiar with the story of Gideon, Gideon, you know, he's a... Uh, a member of the tribe of Manasseh, of the house of Manasseh, and he uh, he's just an ordinary guy, really. Um, and one day the Lord appears to him. And, uh, and I just have to say, the Lord appears to him by sending an angel, and the Lord is speaking to him primarily through the means of an angel and telling him that he is going to be the means of um, freeing Israel from uh, the Midianites. Now, I just want to stop right there because so often when we when we read stories of, of great deeds of, um, of heroic things or, or great miracles taking place under the hand or leadership of certain individuals, we often feel like, man, those must have been incredibly amazing people. And I could never amount to that. I don't know if I would ever qualify for for God's hand in my life in such a way, or if I would ever be part of such a cause. It's very easy to think and feel that way. But let me just give you a little more context around Gideon. I I noticed this, and I thought this was pretty interesting. So earlier in the chapter, it's talking about how basically um, the Midianites... um, they they tax the Israelites heavily. I mean, first of all, they're they are encouraging and kind of enforcing the Israelites to worship Baal and uh, and and false idols. But at the same time, Israel brought that upon themselves, which is why the Lord 
um, kind of withdrew his power from them, which caused them to be um, controlled and conquered by the Midianites. But now it's like full on enforced and they tax them heavily and, and they take a lot of their substance. So here we have this man named Gideon. He's just an average Joe, but he, he's not necessarily a, I'm, I'm going to obey because I've been told to obey. He, he's trying to, uh, <laughs> he's trying to get away with um, keeping more food for him himself and his family. It says in there that he is threshing wheat over by the wine press uh, because the Midianites can't really see him there. That way, they're not going to be able to know that he has this extra wheat that they would that they would take from him. They would tax from him. And I I have thought that was kind of funny. Like here's <laughs> Gideon trying to uh, take a little bit more uh, with him in order to provide a little bit better. So he's not exactly the perfect guy. He's not exactly obeying everything uh, precisely under the hand of the Midianites. But nonetheless, nevertheless, the Lord has called him, has asked him to free Israel. He said that you know, under, under his hand, under Gideon's hand, Israel will be made free. And this caused a bit, a bit of a problem for Gideon because in his heart, he has these questions. He's like, well, Lord, you, you've you abandoned us. What about being freed from Egypt? What about the Red Sea? What about all of these great things and these great promises that thou hast done for us? But now, now we're enslaved to the Midianites. What's up with that? Now, the Lord doesn't necessarily rebuke him, but... It's very common for us to have these questions of doubt, to be concerned. But the scriptures make it very clear that the cause of this predicament happens to be the unrighteousness, the unfaithfulness of Israel. Because they did not continue to worship the Lord their God properly and to be a righteous people. And they started to, their hearts and their minds wandered far away from him. They began to, you know, value and worship things above the Lord. They were then left to themselves. They they were left to their own power. And as is as is very clearly um, made uh, abundant. Excuse me, I'm kind of tripling over my words. As is made abundantly clear in the scriptures, every time a a good righteous people, a Christian, or 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 in the Old Testament, the the house of Israel, anytime the people of the Lord fall away from the Lord, the consequences are that your enemies can overtake you. The power of the Lord is no longer with you. And so, yeah, he, he's, you know, he's wondering, you know, what, what's going on? Like, why are we, why are we have, why have we been abandoned? And just remember, if we are in that state, when we feel like we are in that state and, and I, contend that we are in many ways we are experiencing the effects of us not embracing the lord as we ought to with our heart might mind and soul um when we do so we are then powerless and conquered and the lord re- says to him no like you you are going to do this thing and gideon he's just so unsure and i i love this i love seeing this this very real aspect, this this human perspective. He's not very sure. And so he asked the Lord, he said, please give me a sign. 
And so the Lord gives him a sign. The angel, essentially Gideon brings him a meal and the angel causes a fire to consume it up right, right before him. And he goes, okay, I know. I know this is the Lord. This is the Lord speaking to me. I'm not crazy here. And then he, uh, under the commandment of the Lord, he tears down the, the idols of Baal and, and that causes actually a war. Um, what takes place is now, um, the Midianites get their allies like the Ammonites and, and they're going to, they're going to, uh, take out Gideon and any other Israelites who support what he's doing. In fact, they try commanding his father, Hey, bring your son here. We're going to kill him. Cause what he did was, was bad. And ultimately the answer was no, we're not going to do that. Now you have Gideon, this very normal human individual randomly called by the Lord to do this thing. He, he did the first thing the Lord asked him to do, and it seemed to escalate the situation. And now, now we have the situation where Gideon is concerned because now he has to go to battle. And Gideon's not some known, brave, great warrior. He's not a warlord. He's not a David. He, um, and so once again, he asks the Lord for confirmation that really the Lord is on his side and this is going to turn out okay. He asks the Lord, okay, well, please give me another sign. I'm going to put out this sheepskin on the ground in the morning. Let the sheepskin be full of water and the ground all around it perfectly dry. So basically there's no dew anywhere on the ground, but the sheepskin is soaking wet. And he wrings out the sheepskin and a lot of water comes out, pours it into a bowl. And he asks the Lord, okay, I just need one more. I, I just hold it one more time. This time, let's ensure that the sheepskin is perfectly dry but the ground all around it is wet well the next morning it was exactly as he asked the lord that's exactly what happened he he goes out the next morning and once again the lord is there to confirm to him yeah i've called you to do this thing and this is how it's going to happen and i i just love that the lord is willing to meet him halfway is willing to help him out and he pro he proceeds to create great miracles uh and and really the lord has him ensures that the miracle is even more incredible by reducing the size of his army, etc., etc. Anyways, I wanted to share that because I, I was just so fascinated to see how the Lord is so merciful uh, to meet someone halfway when, you know, their their own um, their own faith isn't quite strong enough. And also, I feel like the Lord calls many of us in these trying and difficult times to be a leader or, or to join a cause, to be openly a part, a part of a cause. And we may feel too weak. Now the Lord works with us one-on-one -on -one individually, and we need to speak to him honestly and ask him for his help. We don't necessarily have to be asking for a sign like Gideon was asking for, but it is important that we can express to the Lord what our concerns are. And the Lord is so merciful, he will help us. He will meet us halfway. Um, I needed that that sort of confirmation that, and that comfort because, oh man, sometimes I just feel so weak, so pathetic. Like, nothing I do is going to get me to where I feel like the Lord is asking me to go, is, is telling me where to go, and asking me what to do. And I go, oh, like, I don't see the outcome taking place if I do this. But as long as we put our trust in the Lord and we continue to try, 
He will make great things happen. And it's going to be uncomfortable and scary at times. It sure was for Gideon. And in the end, Gideon was even asked after freeing Israel, he was asked to be their king. And he said no. He basically was like a Cincinnatus, a George Washington. He went, he just wanted to be a normal guy. He didn't want to be the king, the sovereign over Israel. He just wanted to return to his normal life. I wanted to also talk about um, this mistaken, uh, the problem that we have as Christians where we are mistakenly um, tricked. We trick ourselves often to believe in, uh, in, in having to be kind and nice. Actually, it's really just about niceness, about we have to be nice to other people in order to ensure we don't cause any waves, and that's the Christ-like thing to do. We, mis- we mistake our weakness for Christ-like um, character and attributes, which is a very sad and um, disgusting uh, misportrayal of the Savior. This mistaken niceness syndrome, as I call it sometimes, it's where we are willing to stay quiet on fundamental things because we don't want to offend other people. That wouldn't be nice, right? We don't want to offend other people. It's funny though because the people who are most level-headed, emotionally temperate, um, basically have higher emotional... um, uh, higher EQs um, it are, are those who tend to be more um, more principled and those are often religious people and often Christians and so we are we are the last to be considered when it comes to offending no one cares about they offend us and, and because we have been so quick to um do nothing about our situation because out of this um, mistaken niceness syndrome that we don't want to uh, cause problems, we don't want to be um, contentious or combative. And then as we see across the decades, as we have continued to live this way, we are now at a major crisis in our nation. Think about it. Can you openly talk about truths regarding the family anymore regarding gender anymore regarding marriage regarding parenthood or 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 manhood or womanhood no you, you can't there's a, there's some sort of backlash we've allowed ourselves to be pushed into a corner we have been so i don't want i don't know if docile is the right word but We've not done our part. And now we live in a time where we must do our part. It is so easy to give up your liberties for, as Benjamin Franklin would say, he said that those who would give up uh, liberty for a bit of safety basically deserve neither of those. Well, in a sense, we have given up our liberties, our culture, our our morality, our, our sense of virtue and character for safety. And what sort of safety am I talking about? I'm talking about social safety. 
man, you don't want to be known as a lunatic in the workplace or amongst your group of friends or in some other social circle or publicly or privately because you you believe in in conservative or, or fundamental basic principles of truth. Because, oh man, like, like song, song could, you'll be labeled, you'll be ostracized. So yeah, we, because we want social safety, we do nothing. And now we pay the consequences. We need to really pick ourselves back up and get into this fight. There has, there's always been a fight between good and evil since the, basically since the dawn of man. And, um, in, in some religions, even before man was created, even before mankind was even on the earth, there was always opposition to good. And as, as in my religion, Satan is the, the complete, the uh, epitome of the antithesis of good, the opposition to good. The fight is never going to stop. And we must be relentless. You see, I, I, I had once heard that niceness actually came from a French word that meant fool. At least from a long time ago. Now that may not be correct, but I... It definitely sounds correct. We mistake kindness for niceness. We think that if we're nice, in other words, we make a fool of ourselves by shutting up and basically hiding under a bushel the truths that we know, that we have, that we enjoy, that are the essence of our freedom and prosperity and happiness. We hide them under a bushel because we think we are being kind when rather we are making ourselves fools. We are no longer following Christ in those ways. If you really think about Christ's ministry, he was really, uh, he was an agitator. He was not a, a contentious person, but he was an agitator. He was willing to speak the truth even when it meant death even when it meant ostracism, even when it meant his following, some would, would, would fall away from him because he would say things that were too hard to be understood or, or too hard for, for them to take. Are we willing to be brave like that? Very few of us are. And, and then often, sometimes there are a few of us who are willing to to go into the fight but we we are too uh i guess i would say too too riled up too radical about it It, it's a hard balance to keep but i believe as we pray fervently to the lord we can we can understand that balance i don't want us to hide under a bushel the things that we know to be true and you know, some of, the, some of the things I know to be true are that God made us. We are his children. He loves us. If we obey him and we keep his commandments, we follow him, he will prosper us and protect us. We will find ultimate happiness and joy that is that is lasting not only in this life, but after this life, if we follow him. I know that to be true. I know that families are the fundamental units of society. Without a strong 
family that is cohesive, where children are, are uh, brought up in a in a uh, environment of love and and instruction. Without that, civilizations crumble. But with that, you create the greatest of nations, the greatest of peoples. I also know that I know that men and, and women, men and women, excuse me, are different, but they complement each other and we need one another. There, there are so many truths that we have to stand up for and these are basic and, and, and intuitively known. And only once you are shaped by um, brainwashing of a progressive culture of communism uh, do you forget these things and believe something totally false. Something I love about America is we have... We've always had this freedom to dream and this freedom to achieve. But that's going away unless we do something about it. But that has been amazing about America is that you have this freedom to, to dream and then to go out and strive to achieve your dream. I, I, one of the movies I love, and it's a great example of this, is Rudy. And I actually <laughs> I had, a, I had a funny conversation with a relative of mine. I think it was only like two months ago, a month ago. And they had just recently watched Rudy and they were saying that they didn't really like it, that Rudy had a dumb dream <laughs> and that he, he made, uh, he had the wrong goal. He had the wrong dream that he, if he would have chosen something better, um, then Rudy's life would have been better that Rudy wasted his time. And when I heard it, I was, just, I was like, what? Like, what? Did you did you even watch this movie? What are you even saying? It was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, what? The? I, I, I mean, it was hilarious because it was so surprising and unexpected. Um, now, th this person's point, I think, was mostly that they, they, they looked at all the time he spent trying to achieve a dream that was so, in their mind, was, was so fleeting, so temporary because... He puts in all this work, and in the end, he, he gets to go out for one part of one game, and then it's done. And to this person, it was like, that's not worth it, because now the dream's over. All the sacrifice to achieve that one moment, that's all? That's not worth it to me. And I, I just thought that was so funny, because the point is totally missed. We have the freedom to, to dream and then to go and pursue those dreams, but what we often forget what we clearly forget, especially in this relative of mine's uh, uh, experience or, or um, from, from their last viewing of the movie, you forget that the real achieving and the real reward is obtained in the working of your dream. Because what if, you know, dream, dreams are, or, or I should even just say goals, these destinations we put those are great, but once you get there, if that's all your life is for, then yeah, it not, that's not worth it because it's like people who set a, a, a goal uh, for a desired weight. Rather than setting a, a goal for 
a particular type of habit they maintain or a lifestyle they live or um, a uh, identity they take upon themselves, if they make their goal about I'm going to lose 25 pounds or I'm going to get to this weight, once they get there, their purpose is gone. And it's so easy for them to relapse. But, uh, sorry, I, I'm going a little bit off on, on some tangents here, but I love Rudy because that movie is so realistic. It is amazing. It's not, it, I really dislike a lot of these movies that are about people cha- you know, pursuing their dreams and then achieving it because it is too glossed over. It's too much like the the fanfare of today where they create articles and, and, and they tout people and have them give speeches where everything is all is purely highlights and glossed over. They don't recognize all the work that goes into it. You've probably heard the the saying that uh, behind every overnight success is uh, are like years and and and, and years of, of hard work and, and effort that no one uh, notices. Well, when you achieve your dream, it's like Rudy. Like he he had to work so hard. Like first of all, he had to leave every, behind everything he ever knew and go against the things his his family even desired for him, and goes right for his goal. He's like, I'm going to get into Notre Dame, Notre Dame and I'm going to get on the football team. He makes himself known, but he does not get onto that football team. He does not even get into the school. He is not, he's not qualified for any of that. So he goes to the junior college and he works for years and gets a lot of help from a tutor to overcome or, or find a way to work through his dyslexia. He goes through all of this work and then about the midpoint of the movie, he gets into Notre Dame and it's not over yet. He's in there and it's like in most movies, you know, maybe they would have showed him working for it and he gets in there and then it's like, you know, he accomplished his goal. Yay! And it's like, that's, that's not it at all. He gets into Notre Dame and the work is not over. He still has so much more to do. He still has to continue to go to classes and to learn and to get good grades. Um, He works his butt off and gets destroyed every practice. And then after years of putting in all this work, it looks like he's not going to reach the one dream he had, which was to get out on that football field and play. And I love the janitor who who just, he, he puts him in his place and he says, you're a fool if, if you're going to let this ruin your life. You're going to come away with a degree from one of the most prestigious universities at the time. You, you, like You're going to literally come away with so much benefit from pursuing this dream. Even if you didn't achieve it, your life has been infinitesimally uh, improved because of this. And you will destroy all that if you believe it was worthless just because you didn't quite achieve that one ending. Now, luckily he did. But that's a, that's a major point to never forget. That we should fight to, to maintain a, a country where we can pursue our dreams and we can grow in the process of, of seeking you know, to obtain our dreams. I, I have grown so much every time I've, I've earnestly gone for my dreams without shirking any of my responsibilities. I have grown and become a much more responsible and capable individual. And I know that you can too. Let's talk family time. Uh, (laughs) 
one of the things that just drives me crazy, and I'm guilty of this myself, is when we're going to have some family time, we sit, we get our kids together. We have four kids, and they're all very young. And we're like, okay, let's get together and let's, uh, you know, let's let's read some scriptures together. Let's do a little activity. Let's talk about things, and we are all distracted on a device or something else. I mean, for me, it's I'm distracted on my phone. My wife as well. Um, my my oldest son is playing with his Pokemon. And he's distracted with his Pokemon ball. Then my other kid is distracted with Pokemon cards. Then my other son is distracted with the Pokemon book that he can't even read but likes to pretend he's reading. And then my daughter is, you know, grab, grabbing books and sitting on my lap and trying to get me to read books to her. And it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> are we you know are we really gonna have time together? Um, I, I just have to say one of the greatest benefits that you will ever experience in your life will be to make family time a priority, a distraction free priority. It's a time where you can listen to one another and be present with one another. It would have been great if, if we had all just like turned off our devices and got rid of our distractions and read books together. Like, my little daughter wanted us to. It would have been great um, if we, and it would be great if every time we would be more, um, more dedicated to this culture, to creating a culture where we put things away, we are focused upon one another. So, next time when you're with your family. Turn off the TV, turn off your, or put it away, your, your phones, turn off the alerts because they will distract as well. Spend time together, read a book together, play a game together. Uh, in fact, um, a game that we played recently, it, it was inspired by some, uh, this little booklet that I got for Christmas where we created our own versions of money. We, we took these, these cards and we drew on them and called them, uh, spicy money I think or spicy dollars and <laughs> we we uh we then gave everyone I think it was two or three two or three of these spicy um cards and um they're spicy dollars and then we would we would ask favors of one another and we would pay each other for these favors so we literally spent an hour just doing the most ridiculous thing <laughs> which was uh, it would be like all right I and my son would say all right daddy I want you to Give me ticklies, which is like, uh, gently rub his back, you know, with the tips of your fingers. It's a tickly feeling. So I like give him ticklies and then he paid me one of his spicy dollars. And I was like, now I have three. It was funny because in a way they were learning about like how money works. Cause as we're, tr you know, we're trading favors for one another with it, with these dollars, they're starting to realize, well, I don't have any more, or I only have one and you guys have more. And it's like, yeah, well, uh, uh let's see what you know, suggest something that you could do for us. So we'd have to happily pay for you, pay, uh, pay you for, ask us what we want. And we began going around. It was so much fun because it was just ridiculous. I think, uh, at one point <laughs> was it, I paid my sons to massage my feet. <laughs> uh, another time, uh, one of my other kids, uh, they, they paid me to, um, I think it was just to, uh, to look at uh, or look at some Pokemon things with them, uh, or play a Pokemon game with them. Either way, it was so much fun and ridiculous, and and 
super made up and artificial, right? Like, it's not like a very formal game, but it was so much fun. And it was just time spent together. I love it. You will never regret giving more time, more focused, um, genuine time to your family. You will regret if you let these, if you let the, uh, the days and the moments, the opportunities pass you by. You know, um, that can happen very easily. Life, you know, anything can happen in life and can rob you of those opportunities. I become especially sensitive to that actually because uh, of my own father. He, he was very, he often commented after my parents had divorced and the years went by and he, you know, he lived generally more distant from us and would strive his best to be there, to attend our, our, our sport activities and other things. And he would often comment, and especially as I got older and was, was off to college and even married, that he couldn't always, he couldn't always be there, but he, he always did his best to try to be there. That, that, that as often as he could, he would come down and visit us and spend time with us. And also he would make comments, even comments of regret, where he would miss us as children, that it would go by too fast, and that he wished, in essence, the sentiment was that he had wished he had, had, uh, had done more with us as kids. And I'm sure every parent is going to feel that and think that uh, to some degree, eventually. But it has formed a strong impression upon me that I don't get this time back. Once it goes by, it is gone. And what I do with that time is it is also going to create a lasting impact in, in my future and in my children's future. As I've said on previous podcasts, think of everything. Think of everything as, a, as an investment. Everything you do in your life, they are all investments to some sort of an end, to some sort of a future. The time spent with your family, those are investments. Are you investing in them wisely? Or are you doing so pitifully? Are you wasting it? If you invest enough time not, I don't just mean time as in quantitative time. I, I really mean uh, the quality of the time matters a lot too because I can sit with my kids for five hours on my device and not pay one bit of attention to them and I will have made the crappiest um, investment in, 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 their, in our relationship together and in their future in that five-hour period. That, that, that is a worthless investment. But if I am there for them, I build this relationship. They trust me. I know them. I know their feelings. I know their heart. And I can be their confidant. Then I'm creating a future, a relationship that will be lasting, that will be deeper, that in the future I am going to be so grateful for. And they will too. Folks, I mean it when I say we must do our best to defend family, to make family sacred. Family time is sacred time. Fam the individuals in our family are worthwhile 
and and important. We must also do our best to defend religion. If we cannot freely express ourselves and believe as we desire, then you will be controlled. You, you will believe as you are told to. We must also do our best to defend our nation as an environment where we can prosper, where we can have the right to pursue our own path, to pursue our own happiness as we see fit. Those are the things that are at stake. Those are the things that we must strive to do. And we must pray to the Lord to help us. Help us do so. And we must gather together, be united together to accomplish it. It doesn't take a lot of us, but it does take enough of us. It does take consistent, concerted effort. It it takes courage and it takes faith. But in the end... We will create, we, we will defend, we will actually secure for ourselves a future that will be good for not only us, but for future generations. The tide of evil is real, and I, and I can't express this enough. It is very real. We can't just pretend like it's nothing. It's real. And if we don't defend it, no one will. The rest of the world depends upon us to do it right. Thank you so much for listening to The Alex Spicer Show. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like and comment. Please, uh, in the comments below, I want to know what does pursuing happiness look like to you? Or if that's not a question you want to answer, let me ask you, what is the last thing you did for family time? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and as I like to encourage, please share this with anyone you know could benefit from listening to this. We are here to help each other, and we are here to defend the things that God has has blessed us with. Live free until next time.